This is The Visionary, a Future You podcast. Hi, and welcome to The Visionary, a podcast brought to you by the Future You initiative. We are Ricardo and Victor, a founder and respectively member of Future You. And today we will talk about the Future You competition and the policy briefs presented to us by the students. Exactly, Victor. Today is going to be a little bit of a different episode from the ones that you heard so far, because we really want to get you started with the topics of the policy briefs that will be part of our Future You competition or round session that will start this week. There are eight policy briefs with different propositions. None of them are equal and they are very creative. Before we hover through the policy briefs, we may talk about some information on how the Aura Rounds will be held. And I wonder, there are some competitions where all the students study the same case and then they compete about this case, standardized. And how would be a competition where every team presents a different reform proposal? So remember that our topic is a visionary topic and we kind of let teams have this carte blanche, this unlimited freedom in proposing their own preferred major treaty reform. Of course, it has to be justified by the relevance of the policy that they're proposing. But I think that the panel of judges, but also the keynote speaker that maybe we can talk about later on, they're really gonna focus on what is the feasibility aspect of this policy proposal. How much have teams really thought about all of the policy implications of what they're proposing. And I think that that's the aspect that kind of standardizes the policy briefs and the presentations that we're going to hear about pretty soon now. So pretty soon in this week. And I wonder, the students will talk about their proposal, the judges will make some questions. How would the competition be held in practice? The oral round of the competition will have two semifinals. They will be held on the 14th of April, and they will have, of course, different time slots. The first one will start at 3.30 in the afternoon, Berlin time, and the other one will start at 5.30 p.m. Berlin time as well. And four teams are going to compete in the first semifinal. They have been, of course, randomly allocated, and the other four teams will also be competing, however, in the second semifinal. And out of these two semifinals, one winner will come out of them, and they will be called into presenting their policy briefs once more, of course, incorporating the feedback from the semifinals the very next day, so the 15th of April at 5.30. And that will be the final event of our competition when we will be joined by our keynote speaker, Professor Dr. Christine Re, the Dean of Graduate Programs at the Herdy School. She's also been our first believer and supporter in the Herty family. And then we will also have a very special guest, and that is Aurelien Kreiblich. And he is the executive director of Civica, and that is the alliance that we are operating in, and also the alliance where our students come from. This is indeed very nice. So we will pass into the policy briefs, but it's necessary to stress that we are not talking in depth about them. 
So the spoiler we will give here is just enough for you to get interested and to follow the competition. So we will talk about the topic and what key issues are around this topic, but we will not talk in detail about the proposal of the group. And the first topic would be about the Committee of Regions. The group claims that the Committee of Regions have a weak role in the policy formation process in the EU and proposes some change in the context. But first of all, I would like to talk about this Committee of Regions. What is that? And in a nutshell, what does it do in the European Union? I think that's the starting point of the team's proposal as well, right? Uh, the, this Committee of Regions is an EU institution that we have in our EU framework, but it's not very well known and it doesn't really play a big role. This Committee of Regions is essentially a forum, an arena where uh, representatives of the regional and local level realities from the different EU countries meet and discuss. They can also propose, you know, some contextualization or some informational aspects to the legislation procedure. But they don't really have a very big say. It is fundamental to look at this regional dimension because many of these regions in a lot of EU member states, they often devolved some competencies from the national level. So they have some interest in being involved in this EU policy formation process. And in some cases, they're also crucial centers of spending for the European funds. So they are also important in handling how EU money is spent for the different projects that are competence of these European funds. And so this is a very interesting proposal because it allows us to look at one of the institutions that is mostly disregarded, let's say that way, in the EU framework. Well, this was a very nice definition. And I guess that we can pass into our second idea, which regards the Council of the European Union and its rotating presidency and proposes some change as well in the dynamic of the Council and the rotating presidency. We may talk about how does it work right now. And we had the German presidency, now we are in the Portuguese presidency, but there's a kind of follow-up work. I guess that Ricardo can address this also again in a nutshell. Yeah, that's one of the defining features of the Council of the European Union. You have these semester presidencies that are also grouped in trios. So every three presidencies, they kind of define their own policy agenda. And it is essential, all of this, because the Council is one of the two co-deciders in the ordinary legislative procedure. Whenever there is a piece of legislation that needs to go through the ordinary legislative procedure, it has to be approved by both the European Parliament and by the Council of the European Union. And so it has very different configurations depending on what is being discussed at the moment. And the presidency has a very important leeway in prioritizing policy issues. So the team is going to look into a proposal to change all of this and to make the Council of Europe and, more specifically, its presidency more efficient and also more coordinated as well with the Commission. Very interesting. And our third idea regards something that from outsiders, and this is very relatable to me now, 
let's explain you are Brazilian and that's why you have the outsider's perspective, let's say that way, right? Yes, I hope I don't have this perspective for a long time, but <laughs> I'm learning every day. It's a learning curve for everybody. Yes. And the third proposal addresses the Copenhagen criteria and their check at the entrance. It's apparently related to which country can enter the European Union, what are the thresholds, and I would be glad to know better about that. Yeah, so the Copenhagen criteria are one of the cornerstones of understanding what is the membership of the European Union. So there's the two treaties defining some elements. The Copenhagen criteria go into defining better which countries are eligible to join the European Union. And so that's relevant for the accession countries. And those criteria include some of what we can call basic standards of being the European Union. And they broadly include democratic institutions, rule of law, human rights, protection of minorities, the market economy, and administrative capacity to incorporate EU law. So what the team is looking into is the fact that these criteria are only really checked at the entrance. So only when accession countries then become EU member states, but then there's no really check afterwards. And that is also very much looking into the aspect of having states like Hungary and Poland, where there has been a backsliding in democratic institutions, rule of law, and all of these criteria. And that is also a big concern of the other episodes that have been released in our own podcast. We have Tu Nguyen and Frank Schimmelfenig also uh, talking about the rule of law. So here they're proposing some alternative method of checking this Copenhagen criteria along the way of the EU membership. This is a very polemic proposal. Apparently, and it's not the first one. Following up, we have this proposal about the capital markets union and the idea that it is lagging behind the proposed goal. Apparently, there was a priority of going towards a capital markets union in the EU, but in the present context, it's no longer such a first place priority. Yes, exactly. The European Union is essentially a union of unions, if we can call it that way. You have unions, for example, when it comes to monetary policy, you have a union when it comes to the economic union, right? You have also a lot of political forces in the European Union pushing for the expansion of this coordination or cooperation or let's call it unification in general of competences. You can We can talk about the union of equality, the banking union and so on. There are many unions that we refer to. And the team here is really looking into the capital markets union. That was a priority of the Juncker Commission, so the previous commission. And however, it still kind of remains far behind in the achievement of its own proposed goals. And so they're making this proposal in the aspect of improving the sustainability and growth and also looking a lot at the green transition. And so it would really be a step forward, especially in light, I think, of the Brexit process. So they're also pushing this, especially after this element there. So um, going ahead, there is another proposal regarding the Council of the European Union. And this one brings some issues about the democratic legitimacy of the Council, because 
there is the parliament which is elected but the council is not so near the citizen exactly so the council here and you can see it by the fact that we have two proposals on the council itself it seems a very problematic institution in the eu framework and that's in this specific context in the context of the team's proposal the council is seen as exerting a power that is very far from the citizenship of the different EU member states because the council is composed of ministers of the 27 member states and as we said before it's based on very different configurations so you might have a council of the European Union in the agriculture format or in the foreign policy format. And so, of course, that means that the agriculture ministers are all meeting at the same time in that context or the foreign ministers meeting at the same time, you know, for discussing some policy issues. The problem there that they see is that you really have a long chain of accountability. So ministers are accountable to the prime ministers in most cases, and those prime ministers are accountable to representatives of the parliament who are then also accountable to the citizens. So if you have this council of European Union, it's kind of like an extension. So it goes one step further and it means as well that there is some agency loss, some policy decisions that might be way further away from what the majority of citizens might be actually preferring. This one was specially creative. <laughs> <laughs> and the next one regards the European Parliament, so the democratic institution for excellency, and the election procedures. Apparently, there is this giant parliament. I guess there is no equal parliament in the world. And a fun fact is that it's the biggest employer of translators in the world. And the group suggests some changes thinking about the election turnout and other issues. Yes, so you said before when we were talking about the council that the parliament is the democratic institution and that's true right we vote for european elections but the procedure of electing those meps the members of the european parliament first of all they are different they might be different from state to state there is some coordination of election rules at european level but those have to be implemented by the member states so there is this way of not really having one single way of electing the european parliament and moreover, MEPs are elected with nationalists that are affiliated with European parties. And so this whole setup is actually very prone to play national issues rather than European ones. The problem is that most people see this election setup as creating the uh, low election turnout that we have been experiencing for the past uh, decades, but also it's a problem of reverse causality. It can be both causing the other. You can also have the low turnout creating this aspect of having nationalists affiliated with European parties. So it's a very interesting proposal to kind of amend all of this and to provide a system that does not allow for this divergence anymore. It's a kind of the egg and the chicken issue. Exactly, exactly. Let's see what the group will tell us about that. But let's move on. We have another very delicate proposal regarding taxes and digital taxation and the competence assignment of those taxes because there is these big tech companies based elsewhere and they are working worldwide. So I guess here the bet for this team is to make 
taxes sexy. <laughs> and here they're kind of really trying to make the argument that we should be taxing more our digital companies, especially the big tech companies. So we're talking about the usual suspects. So Google, Facebook, Microsoft, Amazon, usual ones. And here you really have a lot of discussions between, for example, OECD member states, between the EU and the US. There are several discussion tables. And EU has always positioned itself as a global actor on this matter. However, it's important to note that the EU does not have legislative competence on taxation issues. And so it makes very difficult for the EU as a single entity to cooperate and coordinate with the very different taxation policies. And so here their team proposes to kind of do something about this and to allow the EU to have some competence, legislative competence, at least when it comes to digital taxation. It's that kind of groundbreaking idea that might actually change the world, right? <laughs> yes. And we don't see something in the short term, but it needs to be discussed at some time. And then we come to the last proposal between the semi-finalists. And this is one we kind of addressed already today. This was the theme of some of our podcasts regarding the rule of law and the unanimity mechanism. Yes, as you said before, right, this has been also a major theme in our podcast and it's also present in a different way, of course, in other policy proposals. Here, the starting point is once again how to address the problems of Hungary and Poland and their backsliding when it comes to rule of law. It's important to address this topic because you really want to have a mechanism that is fair and it is also implementable, you know, and actionable when it comes to issues that are of the most vital importance, right? So here we have Article 7 of the Treaty on the European Union, and Article 7 allows to strip a member state of its voting rights. That is only possible when the member state itself is in contravention with the founding principles. So we go back to democratic institutions, rule of law, protection of minorities, all of those elements that were also present when we talked about the Copenhagen criteria. However, the procedure here requires unanimity of the European Council. Bear in mind that it's a different council from the one we talked about so far. And the unanimity process is very difficult because say you have two or more than that member states that are in contravention and that kind of allows both of them to cover each other's backs. And that's exactly the case that we're living right now when it comes to Hungary and Poland. We really want to be impartial, both in our presentation of the policy briefs, because we really only had the opportunity to read them. This episode is just a way for us to present what are the main topics we will be touching upon in your rounds and to get you interested and catch your attention so that you can maybe join us for an hour or so and share our beautiful experience that has been so far. Yes, and if you are interested in those topics in the European Union, if you're a student that thinks about taking part in a competition of this kind, you should tune in to follow the Future EU competition. And how could you get in touch? And perhaps how can you find the links or the way to follow the competition? 
That's a great question because we are putting all of our energies in being out there for you. So we have our usual social media platforms. You can reach us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and also we're trying on LinkedIn. And you can also reach us at our website, futureeu initiative.org and you can also reach us at least when it comes to the final event and the semifinals at the Civica website which is civica.eu and then if you look into the events future and past events you should be able to see us and also of course you will have the possibility to get the links on all of these platforms that we just mentioned you have as an audience the opportunity to participate to ask questions and make some remarks or propose some comments you know whatever you feel like especially at the final event when we will be taking questions as future you members and we will immediately turn those to the teams that we just mentioned in this episode there is still the possibility that the teams who win the competition they will be in one of our podcasts they will be invited to take part in an episode talking more about their activity as a team and they, their proposals to the future of European Union we will not only have the winner but also the runner up so the second finalist of the competition and that will be exciting for you as well if you want to hear more about them and that's going to be more extensive and the teams will have a greater opportunity to have their say um, on the policy proposals. Yes. Thank you, Victor, for joining us and thanks to, a to our listeners. In the next episode of the Visionary Podcast, we're going to talk with Dr. Alessio Terzi about his proposals for EU treaty reforms. Stay tuned. Thank you, Ricardo. It was an awesome episode. We could hover through the proposals and Join us in the next episode. You listen to The Visionary, a podcast brought to you by the Future You Initiative. If you want to know more about our initiative, visit us at futureyou-initiative.org.